0: So we are continuing our series called Simple, taking some simple truths and embracing those and understanding those and living those. Sometimes we overlook the simple things. Sometimes we make life too complicated. Maybe we just ignore the simple truths that exist, and and because of that, we struggle. Uh, Today, I want to talk to you about a simple truth, a simple reality, I guess I would say, that a lot of people struggle with. I struggle with this sometimes. Uh, and, and that is something that is key to the Christian life, and that is endurance, enduring. Uh, I, I think that in, in our, ti- our day and time that we live in right now, I think that endurance is something that's kind of gone by the wayside. We don't want to endure. We don't want to have to wait. We don't want to have to, you know, wait on something to happen. We, wanna, we want it now, you know. We don't, we don't want to wait. You know, a, a minute and a half for our Chick-fil-A sandwich. We we really want it in 30 seconds. We don't want to wait 90 seconds for it. We really want it in 30 seconds. Instant gratification. We want it right now. And I think a lot of it. And, and this is not me. I'm not venting on the, the the social culture of the world. I'm not doing that right now. I'm just saying this is. We have to recognize our struggles. We have to recognize where they come from. Um, some of those come from the fact that we. We look on Instagram, we look on, on Facebook. Some of us old folks still look on Facebook, and we're, we're looking and we're seeing, you know, what's going on in people's lives, and it looks like everything's great, everything's wonderful. We look on Snapchat, and it's like this, these little blurbs of people's lives, just little, little, little flashes of light about what their life is really like, and we think that that represents their, the totality of their life, and we look at this little snapshot, and then we make assumptions about how their life really is, because what will people put on social media? They will put the best parts, right? They will only put the good stuff. Uh, they don't put the stuff that they have to endure to get there. They just put the good stuff, and they make their lives look really pretty and really pristine, and like there's no dirt, there's no filth. They don't have any dirty laundry. It's all clean when they wake up in the morning, right? So that's, that's kind of the, the reality that we live in right now, right? So I, I, I suffer from this, right? So when I was this week, I have spent the whole week in Vienna, Austria. I work for a pharmaceutical company, and I do that so I don't, Uh, I I don't have to take a salary from the church. That's just one of the things God has gifted me with and blessed me with, and I am so thankful for it. I spent the week in Vienna, Austria. I first flew into Budapest, Hungary, stayed there for a day, then went to Vienna, Austria. But while I was in Vienna, I posted these wonderful pictures of this Christmas, Christmas market that they have in Vienna, Austria. Some of you have seen this on my Instagram or Facebook, and you're like, man, that is beautiful. I mean, like, it is covered up in lights, and it is awesome looking, and there's people ice skating, and the snow is falling, and it looks pristine, and all of this kind of stuff. And it was. It was amazing. I'm not going to tell you that it wasn't. And we had this Christmas party that I didn't even know was happening while I was there, and, and they invited me to it. And we went to this outdoor Christmas party, and, and, like, the snow was falling just perfectly. These big, huge snowflakes just falling out of the sky, and I was like, man... This is awesome. And, and I did. I had a wonderful time. This was the night before I was supposed to leave and come back to the United States. And, 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 and things were great. And I put that on Instagram, Facebook. Everybody's was like, oh, man, it must be great to go to Vienna, Austria. It must be phenomenal to be able to go and spend your time there. Well, that is true that I did experience some great things, and it was wonderful at one point in time. But on my trip back, I just want to give you a little snippet. Actually, a big snippet of what my life was like on my way back from Vienna, Austria. So if I fly from Vienna, Austria to Atlanta, Georgia, which is where I normally fly in because that's the closest international airport, um, I go through Frankfurt, Germany, and I fly through Lufthansa. is the name of the airlines that I fly through, and they don't have a direct flight from Vienna to Atlanta, so I go through Frankfurt, Germany. In Frankfurt, Germany, <coughs> I uh, I have kind of a tradition, and that is at 8 o'clock in the morning, I eat lasagna. They have a great Italian restaurant there, and they serve a full menu all day. So they have lasagna at 8 o'clock in the morning, which is a gift from God. It really is. I love, I'm not a big breakfast food fan, uh, but so I love 8 o'clock in the morning lasagna. It's awesome. And I get a Coke, and I ask for extra ice, and it is wonderful, right? So I get to Frankfurt, Germany, and let me back up just a little bit. I have a tough time sleeping. For anybody that knows me, you know I have a tough time sleeping. I really have a tough time sleeping if I'm in another country that's seven hours ahead of where we are right now. So that night that I left a Christmas market, I didn't go to sleep all night. I just stayed awake and got ready at 4 o'clock in the morning to go catch my flight, which took off from Vienna, Austria, to go to Frankfurt, Germany at 6 a.m. So I got to the airport about 4 in the morning which is about 11 p.m. here in the United States, where we are right now in Central Time Zone. So anyway, so I get, I get to Frankfurt, Germany. I'm having my lasagna. Things are going good. I still got two hours before my flight. I can go, and I can go to the gift shops, and I can look at all the weird German stuff they have, and it's awesome. And, and, and so I'm doing that, and things are good, and I'm going to be back in time for Cassidy's basketball game on Friday evening, and I am stoked it's going good, just like a normal trip should go. And and then I get a text message. My phone starts, you know, my, my watch, my Apple watch, it starts, and, I, and it says, it, it, this is what it says. It says, your flight to Atlanta has been canceled. Pardon? What? Uh, delayed? Okay, I can, I can take that. Or, 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 or maybe we're going to have to reschedule you. or say, your, your flight has been canceled that's no good. So I run to the nearest Lufthansa kiosk to say, hey, I need to talk to somebody about the fact that my flight to Atlanta has been canceled. And the lady in her German kind of accent thing goes, you know, you can't do that in this line here. And I'm like, look, there's there's like a whole bunch of people over there and they look like they're rescheduling flights and they're doing all kinds of, she said, and Germans are kind of like this. I'm not generalizing, but they are, they're kind of like stern, like, this is what I said, so this is the way that it is. There's like not a lot of negotiation that goes on with people from Germany. And, and she's like, no, you're not getting in this line. I was like, okay, well, tell me where I do need to go. She says, well, you need to go out through baggage claim and go out that way and go back around all the way through the rotunda and come back into the ticketing center. I said, you, you want me to go out of the airport? You, you said pass baggage claim and through those doors. And I know it's past baggage claim and through those doors. That goes into Germany. I, I know where that leads. And so I had to go out of the airport in, in, into Frankfurt, Germany, and come back around and go into the airport again to go to the ticketing counter where I had a conversation with a lady who was very helpful in trying to somehow get me back to the United States. I told her, I said, look, I don't. I don't I, first of all, let's just focus on getting me into the United States of America. Then we'll focus on where I go from there. And she was like, well, you can go through Newark, New Jersey. I was like, that's a little far. Can we, how about Tampa? There's a flight that goes to Tampa. She's like, yeah, sorry, that, t- that flight's full. We can't get you on that one. And, and she says, but I can put you through Chicago. And I'm very familiar with that. And I go to Chicago quite a bit. And I say, okay, fine, send me to Chicago. What time will have me getting in and all this kind of stuff. And so I, I get tickets. I'm like, I'm excited. I get tickets. I get b- back and go through uh the area, the doors that you go into to go into security. Security is 15 miles long. The security line is 15 miles long. I kid you not, it is incredibly long. And I'm looking and I'm, they, there's no way I'm gonna make my flight. I, I am going to miss my rescheduled flight that goes to Chicago, then to Atlanta. I get in that security line and I wait for a month and a half and I'm sitting there looking. I'm looking at my watch. I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna make it. And I'm sweating. I start talking to the guys, like, look, Mr. Security guy my flight is boarding right now. I, I, I still have another hour and a half to go through this security line. My flight is boarding. And He's like, <laughs> this normal German kind of attitude goes, yeah, everybody's in that boat, buddy. Uh, you know, just sit tight. You'll be fine. You'll get over it. So I'm, I'm sweating bullets. I'm thinking, and I start c- having conversations with the people around me. They're, they're mad. They're frustrated. I'm frustrated, you know, and I'm trying to remain calm because I know that I, I'm a Christian and I got to remain calm and I, This lady says, you know, what are you going to do if you miss your flight? And I said, well, i tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to go through the security line again. I said, I'm either going to my flight or to jail, but I'm not going through the security line again. I finally make it through security. I kid you not. It sounds like a nightmare. I sprinted, I sprinted, no joke, to the terminal where I was going, trying to make it to my flight. Um, When I say I sprinted a long way, I sprinted a long way. I had to sprint from Germany to Paris to get to where my flight was supposed to take off. And I get and I I got just within eyesight of the gate. I kid you not, this is real. It happened, y'all. And my backpack that I had been sprinting with completely unzips. Everything I have in my backpack falls on the floor. My laptop bounces off the floor. And I, I, just, I just stopped because I knew, I knew what had happened, right, because my backpack got light all of a sudden, you know. So I knew what had happened, and I hear this calamity happening behind me, and I just look up at God and I go, what have I done to you, you know. I'm like, why? Why must you do this? And I can see people getting on the plane, you know, they're within eyesight. I got within eyesight, and then everything falls out. There were some nice German people that scooted my stuff over towards me with their foot, so they very sweet of them. Um, so I get everything back into my backpack, and I get over there, and I do actually make it onto the plane. I am sweating. It, 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 it's 1,000 degrees in the airport. Even though it's 32 outside, it's 1,000 degrees in the airport. I'm pouring sweat. I did make it onto the plane. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough to get to, to, um, to Chicago O'Hare Airport, and then <laughs> it doesn't end, okay? So I get to Chicago, and... Once you fly an international flight into Chicago, you have to do what I did in Germany, and that is go back outside of the airport, go through customs and immigration control, and then go back into the airport and recheck your bag, right? So they basically, you get your bag, you take it out, and then you take it back in with you, recheck it in. So, so I drop my bag off, and I'm looking, and I was like, there's an, a flight an hour earlier that I could actually take, and I would actually make it back in time for Cassidy's game if I were to, I were to get on that flight. So I go to the ticketing counter, now, I say to the lady, hey, can I get on this earlier flight? And she's like, yeah, it'll cost you 75 bucks, but, yeah, you can do it. And I said, fine. You put it on the company card. I don't care, 75 bucks." So they, 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 they got me on that flight, right? And I got my, my boarding pass, and I'm stoked. I got on the hour earlier flight, and I, I'm going to make it in time for Cassie's game and, and all of that. And, and, and uh, I get over in the security line, once again, that's 14 miles long. This one's only 14 miles long. And, and, and I'm, I'm in there, and I'm looking at my boarding pass going, what the heck? What is wrong with this? It says I boarded at 332, and this flight's supposed to leave at 312. She had given me the incorrect boarding pass for my flight. So I have to get back out of the security line, go back to the ticketing counter, complain to the lady, that she, and she said, oh, I'm sorry. I actually accidentally booked two reservations for you, one on the earlier flight, one on the later flight. I gave you the boarding pass for the later flight. I said, Ma'am, can I just get a boarding pass for the flight I'm supposed to take? Like, is, can we? And so she gives me one. I go running back through security. Of course, of course, I'm late for my flight, right? I'm going through security. Once again, the flight is boarding. I go through security uh, because I'm having to. Uh, do this a roundabout way, and I'm going through Lufthansa, and I'm flying a Delta airline. Uh, I don't get the TSA pre-check, so I basically have to strip down naked to go through security. So I go through security. I'm standing there with my belt and my shoes off, and I just grab my stuff and start sprinting once again another 15 miles to the place where I'm supposed to take off. And and, and, and I, no joke, when I got there, once again, the airport's a 1,000 degrees. I don't know why they keep it so hot in the airports, but I have sweat stains in my pits from running as far as I ran and as hard as I ran, pouring sweat off my head. Finally, I get to the thing, and, and, and I actually did make it onto the flight, but unfortunately, I didn't even make it to Cassidy's basketball game. I actually got there uh, halfway through the second game uh, where the boys are playing. Uh, so let me just say that that little snippet of the beautiful snowflakes falling and, and all the picturesque scenery of the of the sparkling, twinkling lights and all that, that is, that is a phenomenal thing. But that is a small snippet of the 20 hours of struggle I went through flying back from Vienna, Austria to here in Atlanta. And ultimately, it took me 20 hours, no joke, from the time I left my hotel in Vienna, Austria to the time that I got back here in Anniston, Alabama. It took me 20 hours, and that was a struggle. That was a real struggle. Not a huge struggle in comparison to life. Life has got a lot of struggles in it. And life um, has some real difficulties. I've experienced those. And sometimes I think that we take this little look at life and this little snippet of our lives and we, we make that look like the big picture of our lives. That whatever current troubles and struggles that we're going through, we think that that's the end of the world. That our life must be terrible because what I'm going through right now is not very good. And we have a tendency to focus so closely on what's going on right here and right now that we, we miss the bigger picture. And that's a common thing, and it's really, really common here in the United States because we're always looking for that instant gratification, that instant, let, let, let's see what's going on right here, right now, a, a, instead of looking at the bigger picture of our lives and what God is really doing. Just like we, we sang this song about uh, even in, in the crushing, you're bringing out new wine, you're, you're bringing out something in me. There's an eternal thing that's going on that maybe we can't even see. We may say, Romans 8:28, we we know that all things work to the good of those who love God and are thee called according to his purpose. We may say that, but do we live like that? Do we really embrace that? Is that really the truth that exists in our heart and we live that way? That, that's the real question. Instead, we, t- we tend to take this little bitty snippet and we say, man, God, I am not getting what I want right now, and therefore, I'm giving up. And there's a thousand memes out there on Facebook and Instagram that says don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. And I think as we look at God's word and we look at scripture, it's a lot better than looking at some lady screaming at a cat telling you not to give up. Am I right? It's a, it's a lot better than a baby Yoda telling you not to give up. The the truth of scripture is one where it says when it says don't give up, there's a, a bigger picture there that we can't always see, you know? There's a bigger picture there that, that we need to look at and we need to embrace because we don't need to be so focused on that little bitty snapshot. I'm going to give you an example of something here. I know that I've talked a lot and we haven't gotten to Scripture yet. I get that, okay? But I promise <laughs> I won't keep you here more than an hour and a half, two hours max. So don't worry. It's okay. So, so um, some of you know that, that, that I, I really like investing and I really like stock market stuff and I, I really like that stuff, right? So I, it, it intrigues me. It really does. One of the things about the stock market that, that a lot of people don't invest for this reason is because they look at this little snippet of time instead of the bigger picture and they think, oh my gosh, the end of the world is happening, right? So I, I'm going to show you a little snippet. The first, the first picture I'm going to show you is a picture of Apple C- Computer Company, their stock from about the middle of April to the first part of June, right? So that's not a very good picture, am I right? I mean, it, you don't have to be a stock analyst to figure out that's no good. Going down is bad, going up is good, right? And you look at that and you say, man, I don't need to invest in Apple stock. And that's exactly what you may have thought maybe the, the, during uh, the, this was like I said, the middle of April this year. Uh, that's when you would look and say, man, I don't need to invest in Apple stock. I don't need to do that. But let's look at the picture a little bit longer term, the bigger picture. If we were to step away just a little bit. Isn't our, don't our lives look like this a little bit? I mean, don't we take a little chunk and say, Man, this is terrible right here, and, and, and I, I really, I'm ready to give up. I, I'm ready to quit. I'm, re- I'm done. I'm getting out. I'm cashing everything in, and I'm getting out because it looks like it's going downhill fast, and I don't know what to do. If you're a Christian, you're not supposed to have that kind of attitude. If you're a Christ follower, you're supposed to step away, look at the big, bigger picture, the eternal picture, and see that God is really doing something great in your life and, and as you climb, you're on your way to eternity, right? So, so this it's not 275 bucks. That's not where eternity is. This, we're talking about eternal consequences in our life, the picture of what it looks like to live our lives in such a way that we see everything from an eternal perspective. And, and we, we don't really live like this. And you, you can tell people don't live like this because there's a lot of people that don't save and they don't invest, Right? Uh, I talk to my premarital couple, uh, premarital counseling couples all the time, and I talk to them about investing. And I say, you know what? If you were to get, if you were to have a $250 car payment as opposed to a $450 car payment, and you were to take that $200 and you were to invest it, that, that that long-term investment will pay off like you cannot believe. It will pay off in such a way that that you it will blow your mind. I'm gonna give you some financial examples. This is not a financial course, but I do think it's worth people see, seeing how they really do kind of live their lives. Do you realize that if you were to have taken $1,000 10 years ago um, and invested it in Apple computer, which we had a picture of that up there, right? If you were to th- take taken in $1,000, invested it in Apple computer and, and put in $25 a week 10 years ago, 10 years ago. Now, you may say to yourself, 10 years ago, Apple computer wasn't a big deal. The, the the, the, the first uh, iPhone was released in 2007, so I'm only talking about 2009. I think you knew in 2009 that Apple was going to be a pretty decent company. Am I right? You thought they were probably going to do okay. Well, if you would have taken $1,000 and invested $25 a week, do you know how much money you would have invested in Apple stock right now? Almost $70,000 in Apple, Apple stock right now if you had taken $25 a week and invested that. If you would have been bold and really bold and invested $1,000 initially, back in 2009, and, and then you were, to, you were to be really bold, and you put in $50 a week, which you're like, oh, man, I don't know if I can afford $50 a week. That's like a trip to Red Lobster for me and my family. I don't know if I can afford $50 a week. Do you know how much money you would have right now invested in Apple stock? $125,317.82 is what you would have right now in Apple stock had you invested $1,000 and then $50 a week. Now my premarital couples will say, no. I'm not doing that investing thing. That's a stupid thing. I'm not going to invest in some crazy company like Apple. There's no way they'll do good. There's no way the Apple Apple company is going to be around in 10 years. Let's say you you were of that attitude and you said, you know what, Apple, no way. That's not going to happen. Amazon, maybe that's a a place where I'd invest my money. 10 years ago, Amazon stock, take $1,000, $25 a week. You know what you would have right now? You'd have over $80,000 right now. If you were to do the $50 a week, like I said, if you're really bold, you'd have over $150,000 right now had you done that 10 years ago. Some of you are like, $150,000 would be really nice to have right now. But the problem is, the problem is, is when you see that little blip in the stock market, you go, I got to get out. I got to sell. I got to cash in my chips. I'm done. Warren Buffett, who's one of the greatest investors of all time, says this. He says the stock market is a roller coaster, and the only ones that get hurt are the ones that jump off. And that's the same, tr- the same thing that's true in our our Christian lives, too. We see one little blip and we're like, i got to go find a new church. i got to go find a new God. i got to go find something that's going to make me happy, make me better, something that's going to get me to the next level because I can't wait any longer. I'm done with this endurance thing. I just need to go and get what I need, and I need it right now. It doesn't impress me for somebody to go to church for six months. It impresses me for somebody to go to church for six years or 60 years. That kind of endurance is, is what we're talking about. We're talking about the kingdom of God. One other example, because I think this is noteworthy, Netflix, it, it, you know, you may say, well, Netflix is a relatively new company. It was actually established back in 1997. They had their initial public offering, which means they've become a publicly traded company back in 2002. So they're a pretty stable company by 2002. I'm talking flash forward to 2009 when I'm actually asking you if you invested. If you'd invested $1,000 into Netflix and $25 a week, you know how much you'd have right now? Over $150,000 right now. If you had taken $50 a week with that $1,000 initial investment, do you know how much money you would have right now? $267,845.07 you would have in your stock market account right now had you done that 10 years ago. But you know what's funny about that? I tell you this, and then you know what happened on Monday? Is that is you'll, you'll, you'll look at these companies, you'll say, they're ah, not in worth investing, I'd rather take my family to Red Lobster. I'd rather take my family, that'd be way more beneficial than having $250,000 down the road. I'm not not talking about complicated investing. I'm talking about Netflix, Amazon, and Apple Computer, companies that seem to be doing pretty well, companies that seem to be doing all right. And I don't know if you know this, but in the history of Jesus Christ, he seems to be doing all right. He seems to be making it pretty well. I mean, we're 2,000 years after his death, and we're going, man, the dude's got it going on, you know, like... Why are we not investing in Christ? Why are we not investing on in our eternal future? And, 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 and Paul says this to the Corinthian church in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He starts talking to them, talking to them because, I, look, the, the, these people were undergoing some persecution we can't even begin to imagine. We think that, that being a Christian is tough in this day and this time. And, man, we endure all kinds of trials and people die and people hate us and they walk out of our lives and all this kind of stuff. Man, these people were undergoing real persecution but I don't want you to belittle what you're going through right now and saying, well, that is nothing in comparison to what the, the Corinthian church was enduring. Your struggles are still important because it's your investment. It's, it's what you're doing with your life in Christ. So don't, don't, don't say, well, you know, I did, these people started out with $100,000 in their account, and I only start out with $1,000. do not overlook the investment that you're making in that little-by-little little investment that you're making in the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning verse 11, it says, Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying body. So we live in the face of death. But this has resulted in eternal life for you. Paul says, check yourself. I know that we exist in a place of present danger. I know that it's difficult what you exist in right now. I know it's hard right now. But invest Invest because what we're investing in le- lives, le- leads to eternal life, and, and you have to see that bigger picture. He said, I know we live under this constant danger, but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. So, how do you, how do you invest in the kingdom of God? How do you invest in this eternal kingdom? How do you, how do you, you speak? Words followed up by actions, right? I did something. I didn't just sit there. wasn't complacent. I didn't just wait. I had endurance, and I, I, I proclaimed that endurance, and I proclaimed the goodness of God, and I proclaimed the fact that he was worth investing in. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be greater thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. Look at this investment that's going on here. He, he says, God raised Jesus from the dead. That, that's the initial investment, and an eternal one is that. And that's phenomenal, and that's great. And, and the fact that you get to have eternal life when you believe in this investment in you. But the fact that it grows, and it grows exponentially, And how does it grow exponentially? By more and more people coming into this existence of eternal life. More and more people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. That faith that you have inside of you. When you take that faith and you do something with it. When it it manifests itself in you in such a way that people see that in you. And they see that even though you're in the face of desperate times and difficult struggles. That you are continuing to push on because you have endurance. That you see the crushing that's going on in your life. And you say, you know what, that's just building something up in me. So that other people can see that. And it's producing something in my life. It's showing the evidence of my faith. And the evidence of my faith is growing the kingdom of God. He doesn't have to. And God is the one that adds to the kingdom daily. There's no doubt about it that Christ is the one that adds to, to the church. But what I'm saying is he uses the people to do that. He uses the church in that process. He says, this is what he says. This is way better than any cat meme or Yoda meme. This is, He says... That is why we never give up. That is why we never give up. Because God is doing something. You may look at this little snippet in your life and say, God, it's not worth it. I quit. I'm going to another church. I'm, I'm giving up on Jesus. I'm putting my Bible down. I'm stopping, the, I'm stopping praying. I'm done with all that. I'm walking out. I've had enough. You ever felt like that in your life because things have gone downhill for a little while? Things are not going so great right now, so I, I'm done. I'm done. I'm giving up. And some people even take this to a level where their very lives are at stake. They're so done that their life their life is on the line. And God says, look at the bigger picture. Look at the investment I made in you through my son Jesus Christ. Look at the price that was paid. What a perfect price that was paid. The price is, is eternal. Him taking on every single punishment that we all deserve because of our sin, because of our rebellion against Jesus, that price that was put on his shoulders and the fact that he was beaten beyond recognition as a man, the fact that he took that penalty and placed it on himself, the fact that he was nailed to a cross and, and, and he hung there unable to breathe. That's the purpose of a cross. They nail your arms up like this so it becomes, after a while, it becomes difficult To breathe, and they nail your feet to that cross, so the only way that you can catch another breath is to push yourself up on that nail that's through your feet so that you can catch another breath. And Jesus is doing all of this, and this is God's investment in you. And yet, we get to the point where we say, it's not worth it, I'm giving up, I'm moving on. I'm going to try to find another way. This is why... We never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed day by day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Can we put that picture number one up there again? Small and won't last very long. When you compare this to the bigger picture, you see that it is small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. The eternal reward is one that lasts forever, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on the things we that cannot be seen. Now this is hard. Because when you're looking right here and right now, you see everything's on the decline and you can't see the bigger picture. You can't take a step back and see 10 years into the future, can you? If you could, you probably would have invested in Apple 10 years ago. Because you would have wanted to have, you know, $150,000 in your bank account right now. But we can't see it, therefore we don't do it, therefore we're not investing, therefore we just sit there in our current situation and we give up and we quit and we jump off the roller coaster. But the reality is, When you look through Jesus' eyes, when you look through the eternal perspective and you look at what Jesus did in your life, and and here's the problem. We have this experience with Jesus when we come to faith in Christ and we feel this weight lifted off of our shoulders because we know that we've been forgiven. We confessed our sins before God and we have committed to to renewal and we've committed to turning away from our sins. And, and, And we feel this tremendous weight lifted off of our shoulders. But then what happens? The world starts to crush us again. And we forget about that freedom that exists in Jesus Christ that we just sang about in one of these songs. We forget about that freedom. So what happens? That's all we can see is right now our present troubles. We don't actually see the bigger picture. It says, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. I've given you example after example, and they're just stock market examples. I mean, who cares, right? I I, I use stock market examples to get your attention, because when you talk about money, everybody's like, oh, what? It's unfortunate that I have to, to use financial examples to get your attention to the Word of Christ, but the Word of Christ is so vastly more than anything that you can get on the stock market. So vastly more and I did that for the purpose of what? To show you that your current troubles, your current difficulties, your current struggles, that they're, they're not a big deal. And when I say they're not a big deal, it says they're actually pretty light. And they're actually pretty small. And they only last for a little while. But what God is doing in and through those little things in your life that... that that maybe seem like struggles, it maybe seem like difficulties, it maybe seem like, man, I'm not going to make it, I might as well give up. If they're actually producing something. That there's actually a bigger picture that goes beyond what you can see, that there's actually something more that, that we don't have a tendency to focus on. So my question to you is is simple today. It, this, this message is simple. What do you see? What are you focused on? If you're ready to give up, then you're not seeing the bigger picture. If you're ready to quit, then you've forgotten about the freedom that exists in Jesus Christ. If you're ready to stop and say, no more, I'm ready to try something else. I'm ready to try a different way. I'm going to focus on me instead of focusing on Christ. You have forgotten and you are not seeing the bigger picture. We have to focus our attention on what we cannot see. We can't see the bigger picture, but we have to trust that bigger picture. And that bigger picture trust is just called faith. That's all it's called. So what you see and what your eyes are fixed on is a result of your faith. So the question today is, where is your faith? What is your faith in? Is your faith in the last six weeks or is your faith in all of eternity? What about your struggles right now? What are you struggling with? What are you hurting with? What what have you put, invested all your time and energy battling against? Will you... Give that to Jesus and say, you know what? My faith is not in what I've endured for the past six weeks. My, my faith is in what you endured for all of eternity by taking my sin and putting it on your back and dying for me. Paying the price that I could not pay. Dying the death that I could not die. And you did it for me. You did it for me. That's where my faith is. That's where my trust is. That's where my eternal hope is. Father thank you for this precious word. Thank you God for the investment that you made in me through your son Jesus Christ. Lord I pray that I would be a good steward with that investment that you made in me and I would not stop speaking the truth about your goodness and your glory. God the eternal weight of what goes on in our lives and the fact that God you're still good in spite of all the struggles that we deal with and all the heartache that we deal with and broken relationships and all that garbage that we focus on so much I recognize that God you're doing something so much greater so much greater than I can possibly see Lord right now I know that there are hurting people right here within the sound of my voice and Lord I know that, that you brought this message to their hearts for a particular reason God you know their struggles, you know their heartaches and God as we invest in, in eternal God and your eternal kingdom God we, we do that knowing full well that God you're at work and we trust the words of Romans 8:28. All things work to the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. God, may we be the called according to Your purpose, and may we love You more and more and more each day. And May that be exhibited through our faith and what we see. Father, thank You so much for this precious Word. Change our lives forever. As we respond to You, as we listen to You, as we listen to Your Holy Spirit, God, I pray that You would change us and renew us and bring out new wine in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone stand.